Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Hi, I'm Meredith Bell, and welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, and I am so delighted to have with me today, Thomas Beck. Thomas, welcome to my show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really excited about having you with me today, Thomas, and I know my audience is going to enjoy uh, hearing some of the things you have to share. Let me tell them a little bit about you. Thomas is a serial entrepreneur, and he is the founding partner at Varial Agency. His expertise is in creating and implementing strategies around sales and marketing for clients. And one of the unique things that Thomas and his team offer is a fractional marketing department where he can bring in top tier talent with a focus on helping his clients um, optimize their revenues. And they couldn't afford to bring in the kinds of talent that he is able to pull together for these kinds of projects. And his team, if I'm right, Thomas, you all work with a lot of startup companies as well as other kinds of businesses, right? Correct. Correct. And so today, one of the things I want to focus on is because we are in the midst of this COVID-19 situation, we're going to be focusing on mindset and also business development. But before we jump into that, Thomas, I'd love for you to share a little bit more with my audience about your background and your journey to doing the work that you do today. Sure. Thank you. Uh, I started my career and worked my way up from out of college through sales and marketing roles. I left the sales trajectory uh, as a national sales manager for a Fortune 100 company and transitioned into brand building and marketing and then integrating um, both marketing and sales into a unified stream of revenue generation. Several, maybe a decade ago, I stopped seeing these as separate elements, but really two parts of the set toward towards the same purpose of generating revenue that should work together in tandem and, and less like separate departments. And we've been w- working to perfect processes and methodologies to streamline revenue generation by unifying the elements of sales and marketing to better serve your customers. And by doing so, you know, perform better as a company yourself. That's great. I'm interested in going there with you because as my listeners who many of whom are service professionals who have to put on those hats of marketing and sales and delivery of their services, it'll be helpful for them to get your perspective on both of those roles and how to integrate them. Because I think thinking about companies where often the marketing and sales departments are at odds with each other, I love the fact that you have found ways to really pull that together. Let's look first at this whole area of of mindset and especially the effects of COVID-19 related to that. What are some of the reactions you've seen people have in the midst of this pandemic? 
Right. I mean, it's been a wild ride for all of us. Um, there are three primary responses I've seen either among people I work with directly or you know, people we company to read about. Uh, and they fall into roughly panic, uh, rapid adaptation, or reevaluate and evolve. Um, we've seen the panic, and that is I'm shutting everything down. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into the covers and wait to see what happens. And when the coast is clear, then I'll make my move. Um, I think early on when this started, that was a maybe a reasonable you know, course of action for a defined period of time. But as this drags on longer and longer, it becomes more of a risk than it's worth. Um, we really need to get out on the other side of this by using the other two uh, categories of adaptation. That is rapid adaptation. Uh, and for an example of that, there's in locally, I'm in Seattle, there's a, one of the finest dining restaurants here. It's called Canless. Uh, within just a week of restaurants shutting down, they opened three new restaurants for because the new people weren't going to be going out for fine dining and paying $300 a plate, you know, for dinner. So they opened uh, drive-through burgers, you know, drive-through morning coffee and bagels, and uh, take-home uh, meals that are ready to cook and prepare. So they adapted. They didn't get rid of any staff. They used their resources that they had and just modified what they did as a business to satisfy client needs that still existed, but in a new format. Mm -hmm. So that was a you know, really rapid evolution example. Uh, the other example is reevaluate and, and, and evolve. And sometimes it's a little less clear, depending on your business and your vertical, what you should do, right? It's not always as easy as like, okay, well, they go out to eat, now they're gonna go home and eat. That's fairly easy to kind of ascertain, but a lot of businesses might be a little more complicated. Um, and that's where it takes a little bit more time to reevaluate and evolve to the scenario. And under these current circumstances, you know, early on, I thought, okay, maybe if we had two to four months of a plan we'd adapt to, it's now looking more like, you know, this might be with us six months, a year and a half, or maybe longer. So it's definitely time to, you know, make, start making moves into this being the new normal for a while. And how do you service the needs of your clients today while, you can't deliver sometimes a service in the same way you did before this, they still have the same needs to be served. And how can you deliver that, you know, satisfaction for those needs in a new way under our current environment? Mm -hmm. I'm seeing that with uh, some of these folks that do coaching services where they used to meet in person with clients. Now everything is going online. What are some of the other adaptations you're seeing either your clients or some other companies making? Right. Um, you know, one, one client is a, you know, enterprise technology services company, right? So they very often help, you know, organizations with thousands of people come to the office every day and how do they support them? And now everyone's working from home. So, and so are they, right? Like the, the data set, you know, the knock or where everyone's sitting to provide services now work remotely. Uh, they're a whole new set of circumstances to service their clients who are now working in a new way themselves. So and that's, that's just one, one small example. But even with coaching, uh, we have some coaching clients and they're adapting their business delivery to be less of the in-person, handshake, high-touch consulting to we're actually re-evaluating and evolving their business to be entirely online 
online first, more streamlined, and focusing on the needs that people have today, um, and how to manage and be better leaders, and when you're now 100% remote. So yeah, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. When you think about mindset, what are you seeing as the role of mindset? What, how do people need to be thinking and showing up? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, this is something I check myself on, you know, because we're all living through it. Like we're not yeah. a nonprofit, just trying to keep the head above water like everybody else. And I think, you know, the clarity is the first and foremost thing. Like it is so easy to go online, turn on the news and just be bombarded with like bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Bad news the sky is falling. But the fact of the matter is people made it through the Great Depression. And some businesses did very, very well, right? And some did not. We all know about that, but it's not bad for everybody. There are those that can survive. And if they keep their heads on, on their shoulders, keep a clear perspective, you can find a way to navigate through this. And I think that's the number one thing. Like, don't give up. Don't buy into the doom and gloom. Accept the realities of the challenges for certain. I mean, not be, don't be naive, but don't give up either. Find a way. There is a way. When you think about someone who is concerned about just surviving, what, what could you, if, if you were sitting down with somebody that you could tell they were in sort of a panic mode and not feeling very sure, sure at all about the future, what would you say or what questions might you ask to help them make that shift from panic and even beyond surviving to thriving? What, what would be your approach? Yeah. So uh, we've actually done this with, with a few people, some are clients and some are just business associates trying to help them out uh, professionally. And the first thing is framework based on time, right? So like if we look out, for the immediate future, the near term, it's pretty scary. Like, let's admit it, like in some verticals are more scary than others. Uh, so to get past that first fear, um, look past it into two to four years into the future and where you want to be, right? And then plant your mental you know, focus and like where you're trying to get to in the longer term and then work your way backwards of what you need to do and then the challenges that we're facing in front of us will seem a little bit smaller and not like this gigantic, you know, bear that we have to, you know, work our way, you know, around or tackle or run away from. It's like, okay, this is a challenge, but in, if I look at just this, it's terrifying and there's nothing else to focus on. If I take a longer vantage point, you know, this is just one part of a challenge in a much longer journey. So that that's what we talk about when we talk about like, okay, immediate panic and challenges and mm -hmm. how to keep your mindset. Yeah, that makes sense. I know on, on our side, we've got some exciting goals. And so looking at what can we do every day in our business to move towards that, it's similar to what you're describing. How about for your own business? What kinds of things do you and your partners do to stay uh, on point, like you're saying, and, and keep your mind in the future and not get caught up in what's going on day to day in the news. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we eat our own dog food and we take our own medicine, right? I mean, we, if we didn't, we would yeah. be, um, uh, you know, I don't know what we'd be, but I wouldn't be very proud of myself. So, you know, we do have, you know, two and three year goals 
that we focus on. We don't looking past that is just frankly, in my experience, just way too far. It's kind of a wasted exercise. Um, but two to three years today, especially, is I think very realistic and very tangible. And we're breaking that down and working our way towards towards that. And then, you know, we also don't allow ourselves to get too much into that, right? Like we kind of set our plan, and then break it down to the month, and then we just work our weeks. Like, like, hey, this is what we gotta do this week, and like, stop. Don't let it continually penetrate. Like, don't read a news story and go down the rabbit hole of this is gonna be a disaster. If you do the work and you show up and you work your plan, that's the best shot we all got. Is it a guarantee? No, but there's no guarantees no matter what the environment is, right? So like work your plan and you know, it'll work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can believe that, that that's the approach we're living to. So I reinforce that. Let's think a minute about the, um, the whole topic of business development right now. And, um, because you've got such a vast experience in looking at marketing and sales and then looking at them together. I'm just curious, what are you seeing as some of the mistakes that business owners make when it comes to um, either marketing or sales in their approach to getting new clients? Right. I mean, the number one mistake I see on a daily basis, which it is just the most common sin is looking at the world through their own bubble and not from the client's perspective. Um, I mean, I just really, I really just did a press release for a fortune 100 company and the source document was all about inside baseball terminology and terms and language that literally no one who they're trying to speak to will even understand and relate to. And I flipped the whole script, sent it backwards and they're like, wow, this is amazing, but this isn't anything like what we wanted to do. It's like, well, you guys aren't your client. Like that's the number one thing. Like you are not your client. So it takes time, breathe. If you don't have someone like us to help you, you've got to do it yourself. Try to take some time and just think about literally put yourself in your client's shoes and like, what are their needs today? You know, maybe you can't offer them the package that you normally would like to get to so your good margin position where you need to be. Maybe you got to take a little bit of a cut haircut there for the time being, but use the opportunity to get some clients who will be long-term value, right? Like it's better than just shutting down shop or giving up, you know, and you know, even when we've had to do that a few times, like we end up getting building good goodwill and you know, you get referrals and two or three new clients at regular rates going forward. So, you know, just keep, keep moving and, keep in mind, like, what does your client base need? Like, what do the people need that you're trying to service and, and write and think and address the world from their perspective and not from your own? No, that is an excellent point, Thomas. When I think about just LinkedIn as an example, people who connect with me and the ones who immediately launch into trying to promote something that they're doing before they even have a clue what we do, you know, and what our needs are versus those that genuinely want to get to know us and, and be of service. And I think that being of service right now, you just hit on something that I think is really important. And, and I don't want to tie it back to service, which is look at what you can do to provide value to people now so that they appreciate you 
not trying to stick with your normal rates, for example, right. in order to be of service to them, that you understand their situation. And so given that, that you're making um, accommodations to meet their needs, it just seems like if you deliver quality service or product that you then will be the one they think of when they are in a position to pay full price. Right. Exactly. And at one point on that, make sure though that they understand you're, they're giving a discount. Otherwise the value offering isn't uh, recognized. You can't yes. just say, hey, my rate yes. is this. No, 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 you have to explain like my rate's usually here, but for you under these circumstances, I'm willing to do this so right. that it's recognized. And later on, it's appreciated. Mm -hmm. I, I saw a fellow that had a proposal where he was saying this is the COVID-19 rate. <laughs> he right. actually labeled it that so they would know this was a significant discount. Well, looking at what people do that's a mistake, I, I, I just think you are so absolutely right that they don't see it from their client's perspective. What suggestions would you give to help people get in, you know, get on that other side of the table, get in their client's shoes? What's the best way for them to best understand the challenges a client is facing. Yeah, so I'll give away some trade craft here. So the, a great exercise, if you're not naturally, you know, like able to kind of like get into someone else's shoes and like look at the world through their eyes, build a persona. And which is basically, who are these people? What is their income level? What are, what's their gender? What's their age? What kind of jobs do they have? What's their background? What's their history? And then go on LinkedIn and find 12 people that meet those criteria. And LinkedIn has got all the filters and all the tools. And when you find real people, real human beings that meet that profile and you look at them, then you'll start to understand much more clearly who you're speaking to and in the language that they speak about things, right? So are they more scientific? Are they more artistic? Are they more cause oriented? Um, Start at the abstract and theoretical, but drill down and find real human beings, you know, on LinkedIn and then hunt down the profile pages on social media so that you can see the both sides of the persona, right? Like this is a professional perspective, how they present themselves. This is how like they personally present themselves to their like more closer non-professional relationships. And looking at those two things, you'll start to get a better understanding of who your clients really are. Oh, that's excellent. Great, great tip there. If people, yeah, and you know what that requires is taking some time to pause and think, and that's a much better use of time than going and reading more news where you just get more alarmed. <clears throat> I'm saying that for myself as well, because it's very easy to get sucked into the news cycles oh, yeah. and keeping up with what's going there. Um, but that LinkedIn, I'll just say, is such a rich uh, resource for people to use for doing exactly what you're saying. It's uh, if somebody is working on business, it's a great place to go. So let's think about what's one thing that you're advising clients to do during this time so that when they do emerge, their business is stronger than ever before. Right. So I would Right now, there are a lot of big businesses who have pulled back on advertising budgets, right, or, or entirely. And so what's this is a lot like 
you know, buying stocks in a downturn, dollar cost averaging, your dollar spent on advertising right now will go farther than ever before. And at the same time, more of your prospective clients are on their devices more than ever before. This is really a perfect storm of opportunity to like, if you can spend $20 a week on advertising, do it. If you can spend $500 a week, even better. But like pick a budget and allocate to some digital marketing spend. So people outside of your social media is great. The big problem with social media is when you get started, you only have a couple hundred followers, right? You need to get beyond that. I call it getting beyond the breakers, right? Like how do you get beyond the breakers and you got to, throttle up on the motor to break over the crest of the wave and be out in the ocean where the opportunity is. Um, even 20 bucks a week can help you start to get beyond the breakers and start building your audience and getting your, your, your clientele expanded. So that's what I would say the number one thing you can do at any budget level. That's great. So for people that do have a limited budget for $20 a week or whatever, you know, on the smaller side, what are some of the options that you might recommend to them, especially if they're a business to business? Right. Well, I mean, the big thing is I would say you can do LinkedIn. Um, I find LinkedIn to be slightly more expensive, you know, so if you have a bigger budget, LinkedIn's great. If you're on that smaller budget size, I would use Facebook. It's, it's got really great targeting and it does a great job for at any dollar amount. So, you know, is it the only thing you should always use? No. But if you have one thing to use and you got 20 bucks, 20 bucks is just too small to spread across multiple platforms. Oh, yeah. So if you've got 20 to 50 bucks, I'd put it in Facebook right now. So what are you finding if somebody's running a Facebook ad? <clears throat> what is the place that the ad is drawing the person to? What landing page? What kind of offer? Well, that's the trick. You know, like you want to have an offer. You know, what is something that drives immediate delivery of value in some form or fashion. And you have to think about what your offer is. Is your offer, hey, I want people to be to come think of me as a subject matter expert. So maybe it's like, hey, download this free thing, right? And maybe you get your email address. So that's the micro value exchange that starts a relationship. Um, your offer could be, hey, my coaching sessions are normally X amount, you know, for a session. But if you buy a three pack, you get one for free you know, buy today. So, you know, to figure out your offer and you can try a couple, right? I mean, it's not a lot, it's not expensive to experiment and get something out there. I will tell you, like, if you're going to do anything, it's really good if you run for at least two weeks on Facebook to, to kind of get the results because the way that algorithm works, it takes that while to optimize and fine tune. So whatever you do, just try to do a two week test, then look at the results. Don't get freaked out about the first couple hours of the first day or two look at two week sample rates and decide what's working best for you. Are there any um, secrets or insights you might share about the Facebook ad itself? What seems to be, what are the elements that would say cause somebody to click and check it out? Is it more the text, the image or the combination? It's a combination. I mean, this is where you pay professionals <laughs> to do it. Sure. But, um, uh, yeah, the, you know, get a good image. Don't use a stock photo if at all possible, like try to get a good photo that's real, right? Like those really do cut through cause we all see them and like the stock photography, unless you are really good 
at Photoshop and editing it and making it something special on its own. It just looks like generic dog food, you know, like don't, right? Like take a picture, take an afternoon and get a good photo of what you're trying to, you know, present high, you know, high color contrast really helps. You know, something like pops off the page with color gets attention because we're all just scrolling. Um, and then be succinct with your wording. Like don't make it too long. Um, Cause don't have time to read it. Right. I mean, TLDR, right? Like get your statement and make it and then get on with your day. For someone who's a service professional where they are the product, they're delivering the services. Do you recommend a picture of them or something else? Um, you know, it could go two ways, right? Like if you have a book or a white paper or something, I think it'd be great to have a picture of yourself and like with a little inset of like the book or publication, just to like give an instant impression of authority and expertise. Um, the other great opportunity is thinking through the client's eyes, showing a picture of them, right? That's even better. Like mm -hmm. relate to them, look like, you know, show a picture of people that look exactly like them and speak in their voice and express the problems in the way that they express them in the advertisement and then say how you help solve that, mm -hmm. right? Don't say I do X, Y, Z coaching, right? Say, you know, people who do this for a career at this phase of their career are struggling with this, you know, 75% of people struggle with this. We have the solution coaching sessions available now schedule now, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's instantly connects to where they are shows how you help gives them an action, an actionable event to call to action to engage with you. Well, this goes back to what you were saying on that press release for the client who wrote it all from their perspective with their inside jargon versus really thinking about what is this person looking for that's going to be reading my ad that I'm hoping will click on it? What needs to um, be said to them? Do you find that sometimes, especially professionals who have degrees or other kinds of credentials, that they're concerned about touting that kind of expertise to it's like proving themselves versus not getting hung up on that and really focusing on the potential client. Right. I mean, that, I see it all, that happens quite often, right? It's like, it comes from the educational world, right? Like every industry has got their own credentials, right? Like from business, it's like I sold billions of dollars worth of companies, you know, like, education have these degrees and these publications, right? Everyone's got their own thing, but really your customer doesn't care. Like not yet. They will care far along in the buying cycle, but you are just putting a fishing lure in the water in front of them. Like how do you just get their attention? And what, one of the analogies I use a lot with clients, like I get, well, I want to say more, you know, I want to tell them about all, like, I'm not just great. There's not one great thing about me. There's 50 great things about me. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But like you are going down the freeway at 80 miles an hour. How much can you read on that billboard? That you have now take that time and cut it into thirds. And you have about a third. That's the attention that a person has going through their feed with their thumbs flipping as fast as they can. That's what you have. Now tell me what's the most important thing. And then everyone gets real serious real quick. Well, I don't know. Like, well, we better figure it out. You know, like, and that's, that's the secret, mm -hmm. you know?
That's great. I'd like to hear a little bit more too about how you came to see marketing and sales more as one. How did you combine, you know, they, they are in many organizations, probably most organizations, two separate functions. So how do you pull them together? Well, you know, it it's comes down to everything we've been talking about, like thinking of them as separate things comes from the history of how organizations were, you know, designed. I don't know about HR or CEOs or whatever, like, well, we have this silo and this silo and this silo and marketing gets people's attention and then sales closes deals, right? Okay. But today, 90 or 70% plus of decision and buying happens before you talk to a salesperson. So where is the line now between marketing and selling? Selling is happening. There is no selling. Like, I don't think selling even exists. There's buying. So if we take a change of perspective to customers are looking to buy and then reverse engineer how you can support a better buying experience for your clients, then the walls start to disappear. And then you reverse engineer the buying experience back to becoming a, from a stranger to a customer. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing is um, when you do that reverse engineering, there's a lot that has to happen before that buyer gets in front of a designated salesperson. Right. And like, and they also like 70 plus percent of prospective clients cringe at the thought of engaging with the sales team, right? So like they are naturally trying to avoid you. So like why fight it anymore, right? Like just go with the flow. Like, I mean, we see it with companies like Carvana, right? Like there's no sales thing that like you buy a car on the phone and they drop it off in your driveway. There's no weird haggling going on, you know? It's just, I want it, I see what I want. You know, I know I want a car. Okay, well, you want a sedan, you want a truck, you want a convertible. Okay, narrow it down, narrow it down. You can do all that yourself as a customer. And then it's like, okay, well, I wanna see what my options are with my payments would be if I'd get this or that other thing. You can self-select all that. Then you press the button to buy. You know, so completely customer-led buying experiences is if we engineer our organization's revenue generation efforts around that, the line between sales and marketing dissolves. Thinking about um, different solopreneurs, uh, solo consultants that wear both marketing and sales hats, uh, it, and I'm sitting here thinking what I, I'm imagining they could do is create some kind of um, educational piece. Once somebody, let's say they ran an ad and somebody clicks on that ad, they could watch a video or you know sign up for a recorded webinar, something that would help them really get to know who this person is before they ever have the conversation with that person or, or even feel like, oh, that's somebody I would like to get to know further. Are there specific um, tools like that that you've seen be especially effective, like a live webinar or a recorded webinar or just some video or, or other piece and that somebody can create? Yeah, I think webinars are great, especially you know recorded webinars today because like you know the the whole process of registering for a live one is tougher and tougher and tougher to work in our schedule. So uh, recorded webinars are great. Um, what I call this with our clients is basically what's the first 
um, micro exchange value? Like what are you gonna, what you basically want their email or something uh, to start a relationship. That's the first increment of value that you need from them to know that they're somewhat serious and worth like spending your marketing and sales resources on. And they, the client, prospective client, is trying to remove fear, apprehension, and doubt from starting a relationship with you. So what's the smallest commitment we can ask from them that delivers a micro increment of value so, and then you get a micro increment of value, which is the email. Mm-hmm. And so like a webinar is a great way, you know, but maybe a webinar is too long, too long. Maybe the first micro is like, Hey, read an article, the top three things of people who have your problem, you know, struggle with, and here's how we help. Well, okay. I'm just going to see that. It's got my email. Got it. Boom. Okay. Well now fear, these people are definitely competent. I didn't have to give up much. And now my relationship, I'm down the path, right? Like we're past the first date. Mm-hmm. Like now we can, okay, what's the second date going to be? Well, maybe I want to see the webinar now. Like, Hey, thanks for downloading this document. Um, I hope you found it valuable. Here's a recorded webinar by the same subject matter it goes into these areas with more in depth. Like here's a link to watch at your convenience. You know, like, okay, now you have a deeper relationship and more respect built. Right. And okay. Now, and, and onward and so forth until you have a client. Mm-hmm. I like that approach because people can kind of move at their own pace because we know not everybody's ready to buy at a moment that they might express an initial interest in getting some information, but it's that engaging them and starting to build that relationship that causes them to think of you when they are ready to do business. This right. is so great. I, I just am I'm so appreciative, Thomas, of your expertise and your willingness to share some of the things that you've been doing with clients. I know we are coming up on our time now. So one of the things I'd like to do is ask you to share how people can connect with you on social media. How can they learn more about your company services if they'd like to check out what you do? Right. So I'd welcome you to visit our website, varialagency.com, uh, spelled V as in Victor, A-R-I-A-L, agency.com. And you can reach it out to us directly from there or click to chat and start our engagement that way. That's great. Thank you. And we'll have your website on, and social media links on our um, show notes page. Uh, for your episode and so people can find out where they can connect with you on those various platforms where you hang out or at least can be uh, found. Thomas, thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to share as we close up our conversation? No, I think this has been a great experience. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You've given some really valuable nuggets and I appreciate your time. So thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.